Welcome to the Christian Music Industry Podcast, powered by ChristianMusicMarketing.com. We are here to help Christian musicians, songwriters, and artists connect with one another, learn from one another, and to pull back the curtain to give you a behind-the-scenes look at the Christian music industry. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Wisdom Moon, and your friend in the Christian music industry, and I'm excited to have... A new friend joined me on this podcast, James. Okay, I don't know if I'm going to butcher your last name, which is sad if <laughs> I do. But, you know, I never know, like, how people pronounce their, like, you know, Korean last name or first name or whatever in English, you know. So, sure. Um, I'm going with Peck. Is that right? Got uh, it. How do you do it? <laughs> Peck. Yeah. Okay. Peck. Yep. That's exactly right. You got it. Cool. Uh, yeah. I love that you don't have like the most popular like last name like Kim. <laughs> like I don't have a popular last name either. Uh, so James, yeah. um, I'm really excited to have you. You know, on this podcast because I love the fact that you are also Asian American, just like I am, and. There aren't that many of us in Christian music or even just yeah. like in church ministry in general. I feel like outside of like the actual Asian American churches or, you know, just like specifically Asian churches. So I love that you're starting to make some waves in Christian music and you've been on a pretty popular TV show even. <laughs> so I'd love to hear <laughs> about some of that stuff. But Sure. Uh, James, yeah, whatever you want to ask. <laughs> James is a pastor, artist, and design researcher. I don't know what that really means, so we'll find out. <laughs> but, yeah, great. <laughs> uh, he's been in ministry for fifteen over 15 years at Willow, CCV. Um, and James is a phenomenal voice, so if you haven't listened to his music, check it out. Um, but I want to dive into, first of all, uh, what is a design researcher? Yeah, so um, I think often people think about design and think of like visual design or graphic design, but there's actually this whole other aspect of design that's kind of housed in any like company that has an innovative practice. So if you think of like Google or Meta or any of those tech companies, anybody that's developing an application or SaaS platform, oftentimes they'll use design in a different aspect. And it's not just what it looks like, but how it works. And so a design mm. researcher often is using like the mindset and methodology and toolkits of design to like understand users of certain products. And then hopefully utilizing the learnings from, you know, these different ways of knowing your user to design products. And so that's kind of, it's like, wow. it's a mixture of ethnographics work and ideation work and collaborative co-creative work to really find solutions to problems and creating products and services based off of the user and centered around the user versus like siloed away from them so that's kind of like the overarching that's cool <laughs> yeah is this something like you thing. went to school for yeah so i actually did a I, i've been in ministry for 15 years but uh, one year I did a, an educational fellowship outside of the church and it was all centered mm. around design research. And so, oh, okay. um, yeah. And so I worked on a couple of really awesome projects that year and it's something that like I hold dear to this day. Yeah. Wow. And you've done some work with Google and 
several other like companies, organizations? Yeah, I I got to do a facilitation with a design consultancy called Sevilla that's based in Detroit for Google employees. And when I was working at Sevilla, we also did a project called Project Reform, which was using design to help uh, reimagine the public assistance application process in the state of Michigan. So when people are applying for like food stamps or cash assistance, um, those types of things, how do you dignify that process? Um, and how do you make it more effective mm. for both the citizens and caseworkers? Wow. And so it was probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever gotten to do uh, alongside of some of the smartest folks I've ever been in a room with. And so, um, yeah, it was a really, really formative space. It was this kind of this interesting year away from ministry that um, I'll cherish for the rest of my life. But yeah, I got to do some wow. fun work that year. Yeah. That's cool. Sounds like you... Uh, and from looking at your music, uh, you value collaboration. And yeah, I, I, I love that because I think when we can, you know, work together with other like-minded people, even if we don't agree on everything, I think uh, we can make something, you know, better. Uh, and there's the, like, the term that goes around, like, you know, we're better together, which I think is really true. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I would love to hear your story of being on this show called Alter Ego and <laughs> <laughs> what your experience was. But first of all, maybe tell our listeners, uh, what is this show about? Yeah, so Alter Ego uh, aired last fall and uh, it aired on Fox. And so um, if you've watched The Masked Singer, it's similar in concept. And mm. it actually was an iteration of that show. And so... It's a singing competition, but each singer has an AR VR avatar that performs for them on stage. Um, and so you only get seen by the judges and the audience, which we did have a live in studio audience, um, when you get eliminated. Uh, mm. The whole competition is you're actually co-creating and playing your avatar in front of the judges and the audience and singing as that person. And so the whole idea was giving people an opportunity to like create an artist persona uh, that they always dreamed of, and then being able to kind of create that in the AR VR space. Um, and there was actually singing though, like people think that um, because of that, there was like a lot of like post-production, but we were actually in mocap studio uh, suits, which are like these, if you've ever watched like a behind the scenes of like a video game making or Marvel movie. It's like these yeah. skin tight suits, which is like really embarrassing <laughs> for me, who's like not buff at all. Um, and they have all these like motion detectors and um, in real time, we're puppeting our avatar and in the stage in like a, in a sound studio room. And, and that's being streamed to the live studio audience and the judges. And we're actually singing. So we're having to like wear a helmet and a camera that uh, gives us, an ability to puppet the face. And then we also have a mic and then we have our mocap suit. We're moving around. And so it was a wild experience. <laughs> to <say the> least. <laughs> wow. Uh, but it was so Man. fun. It was, it was an unbelievable experience. I'm so, I'm really, really grateful for it. Yeah. So how, how was that process like to actually apply, I guess, to be part of the show? And also why did you want to be on the show? Well, interestingly, I didn't uh, reach out to the show. Um, oh. The show reached out to me. Um, so oh, wow. um, I think somehow 
you know, a lot of these shows have casting agencies that will like mm. scour the internet and TikToks and people's profiles and YouTube videos to like see who they might want to reach out to. And so I, yeah. I, I think that's how they found me. Uh-huh. I was a band, I was in a band called Kylan Road for a long time that did mm. um, YouTube cover videos. And so I would imagine that they somehow found out and then they reached out. Uh-huh. And so, uh, I mean, <laughs> they reached out and they couldn't tell me what the show was. They couldn't <laughs> tell me what network it was on because it's the pilot season. And they sent me this application and it was like maybe like 10 pages long. And so I didn't do it, to be honest, because I was like, I can't be bothered. I don't really care. Um, but luckily, I got a call. They were pretty persistent. They called a couple of weeks later and said, hey, we'd love to have you. So please fill out the application. So I did. And the rest is kind of history. Yeah. I mean, wow. um, I had just left a church situation at the end of 2020 that was really, really tough. I needed mm. a break. Um, it was a lot of things, you know, mm. good and disappointing and exhausting. Yeah. Um, but all in all, I needed a break and uh, knew that I was going to take a couple months off. And this email came at the top of that break. So I was just uh-huh. like, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know what I'm going <laughs> to do this year. Like, I'll give it a shot. And wow. um, and it's probably been one of the funnest experiences I've had in a, in a long time. Yeah. Wow. Good. So how has being on that show? Because you know, I always imagine like people that are on these, you know, singing shows or talent shows, yeah. especially if they go pretty far in it, that it pretty much like could change your life. Right. So mm-hmm. how has the show changed your life? Yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell, to be honest, because <laughs> it wasn't, you know, like I know some shows like American Idol, if you go really far, like your social media numbers soar mm-hmm. and like, all, and um, you get a ton of media and ton of things. And um, I did get some of that, you know, but I, if I was going to compare it to like other people's journeys, I probably didn't get the same, you know? And so, um, but it's one of those things where like, you now kind of have on your resume this, that you've like saying in front of like millions of people on network television, mm. you know? And so yeah. I think it's kind of like, there might not be a direct line in terms of like how that affected my career or my life. But I think kind of indirectly and probably in a lot of ways, you know, and obviously gave me a new confidence. You know, I, I never thought that that was going to be something that I did, you know, and um, yeah. I had a ton of fun doing it. So, you know, I think you meet really cool people, you have some exposure. And, you know, I went on to the show actually as a pastor. <laughs> like, oh that was like, part of my story was um, that I was a pastor, you know, and I was just like trying to do something fun with music. And so I think, more than anything, the show gave me an opportunity to talk about a couple of things. It's like a little bit of my life story. Um, mm. But the big part for me was um, really being able to talk about the fact um, that I grew up as an Asian American in a, in a time where there weren't a lot of Asian Americans in the music industry, both in the church, outside of the church, on the radio, anywhere, and uh, how much of an effect that had on mm. me, you know, and how... Um, so badly I wanted to see more equity in this space and more representation in the space. And so I think the opportunity to tell that yeah. story was really cool. And I think there's a lot of people that resonated with that part. Yeah. So how did you get into singing? And, you know, obviously like at some point you discovered you have a voice and, yeah. you know, people think you have a good voice and people want you to <laughs> want to hear you sing. Like, yeah. uh, how did you, 
first, I guess, get into singing? And then when did you kind of discover, oh, like maybe I could sing for a living kind of thing? Yeah, that's a great question. I started young. My mom's a piano teacher. And so I, you know, was surrounded by music growing up. And I think you just started singing in church. You know, I started singing mm. and recognized that I had some of a voice because I would, you know, kind of get the solos once in a while. And then that happened more often. And then I started singing at school, you know, and I think for me, you know, um, music kind of became a safe space where like I can sing both at home and at church and at school. Mm -hmm. And I would kind of receive some affirmation. Um, and that wasn't true in any other, in any other kind of sense of my identity, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah. cause I grew up Korean, Korean at home, uh, American at school. And then at church, you know, I was a PK, you know, a pastor's kid. So like <laughs> identity wise, I was like, who am I? What am I trying to do? And I yeah. couldn't, at, in the time, I can probably now evaluate that with a little more thoughtfulness. But in the time, I just didn't know. But singing was something that in every space, I got the same affirmation. And so I think I just like leaned into mm. it even harder because I think it was, it felt like that. Um, thing that was consistent out of all the things that like, Hey, at home, I kind of had to change my behavior this way at school. I had to change my behavior this way at church, I had to change my behavior another way. But when I was singing, yeah. I was doing the same thing in every space. And um, mm. so I just started singing. I started leaning into it. You know, I did, um, you know, school choir stuff. I did musical stuff. I did worship stuff. I did church choir stuff. And, um, in university, I did a lot of really cool things. I went to UCLA, and so they have this thing called Spring Sing, and it's like a school-wide talent show, and, and like you have to audition mm. to get to that. And so our group made it. You know, I wrote a song and sang it. I did this thing called Korean Culture Night, where that year um, they sold out both both the Dorothy Chandler Theater and the Murphy Hall Theater, and did the wow. show twice. It was a musical, and so um, and then I started singing at church more consistently. And, um, in that time, uh, really, you know, it wasn't so much about the music. It was more about like how my music connected with my faith. Mm -hmm. And, um, I got a job offer in the middle of my college years, you know, serving at this church and said, Hey, we'd love for you to come and do ministry, particularly music ministry. Um, but also ministry at large. And so right at, when I graduated university, I had an opportunity waiting for me and I went for it. Yeah. Wow. So that's yeah. Awesome. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one thing that I'm really passionate about as somebody that, you know, works in the Christian music industry and you know, I've been kind of around it and seen it and been a part of it and have a lot of friends in it for the past 15, 16 years now. And one thing I've really noticed is there aren't that many people that look like me, <laughs> yeah. you know, like yeah. ethnicity wise. Uh, and, you know, I've had a lot of conversations about that uh, and to see uh, like your uh, Start Again song that came up uh, when you released it on New Music Friday Christian. I saw it and I was like, immediately it caught my attention. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, I have been connected with you through a mutual friend. So I, I was kind of aware of you and uh, we had DM'd a couple of times. So I was like really excited to see your music being featured on that playlist. Uh, 
So what has been your experience, I guess, especially in the Christian music industry and what have you observed so far? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. (laughs) Um, So most of my experiences in church, it was writing for church. It was writing particularly worship stuff. um, And I love that. And I think for me, um, of course there was like a part of me that would have loved to like seen that have like a really wide reach, mm. but I, for whatever reason, had a grace to know, like, as long as this is like blessing the community that I'm writing for, like, that's, that's the, that's the game for me, yeah. you know? Um, I was, uh, in a band and I also was like a like a songwriter in the industry, just like at large mm. for a season, but particularly in the secular industry. I had management. I was going out like during the day I was doing ministry. And at night I was in studios in LA, like writing tunes for people who wanted to be pop stars oh. <laughs> and like pitching songs and doing things like that. And, <laughs> and so I kind of got a taste of wow. um, what that could be like. And it, it's, it's tough. It's a tough world. I think music in general oh. is just a really, really hard industry. It's, it's not an easy yeah. um, space to be in um, to make music. I mean, and to make a living off of that music is, a, I think it's kind of a mystery in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah. And and different people go about it different ways. Um, Start Again and Exodus and then, you know, the latest song that I just released, Young Love, it's a part of a project that I feel like is completely new for me. And that's like writing songs just from like who I am as a person. Like, mm-hmm. um I had, again, just gotten out of a church situation that was really, really rough and um, wanted to just write to like kind of decompress and like reflect on what had just happened. And I initially thought I was going to write a worship record because that's yeah. the world I came from, but something different came out. And um, mm. I really feel like it was a God thing that like I got connected back with an old friend named James Krause, who is you know, an incredible producer, but also like, um, Grammy award nominated, like mixing master guy. And then he brought Mm. his friend in Tyler Chester, who who's produced for like John Foreman and Madison Cunningham and Sarah Bareilles. And and they just got around the project and Mm. it was probably the, the, the most rewarding musical experience I've ever had. It was, we really did not care at all, you know, um, who was going to listen to it. Um, we weren't making decisions based off of like, is this going to hit radio or is this going to hit a certain genre? Like, I honestly just thought that this was going to be for me and then friends and family, you know, Mm. and we made it so that I could heal really. Like I gave myself a chance to make music, to heal and to reflect and to process, you know, a bunch of things that I had gone through at this church experience, but even before the church experience. And, um, and then we made these records and they were just living in a Dropbox, you know, <laughs> like, and we didn't know what we we're going to do. Um, but it was at that time that I had made a connection with a man named Malcolm Duplessis, who is a really big part of a crew called Common Hymnal. And he had heard some of the records and um, through a series of conversations said, hey, I'd love to help you, you know, get mm. these songs out to a wider audience. And so I said, sure. And, and that's how then the songs have gotten some, I think, attention from playlists and mm. um, both on Apple and Spotify. And and I, I think for me, like, 
really, that's my experience in the industry. You know, I, I've done co-writing sessions. I've gone to writing camps uh, for the worship space. And that's not the stuff that hit, to be honest. You know, like yeah. for me, it was me getting into a room with um, two guys that I loved and trusted to make music and really challenge myself to get honest. And uh, I'm actually really surprised, to be honest, that it's getting attention. <laughs> like, I thought, again, it would have like, it would be a friends and family release, have a couple thousand plays maximum, you know. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it's been cool to see how the songs have um, hit folks, people that I know, people that don't know. I'm getting emails from people that I don't know asking me questions about the songs. And I, I don't even know what to tell them because some of the stuff that I'm writing about is so private to me. It's like, the song is the yeah. answer. <laughs> like I, that's all, that's all I want to say. Uh, but it's been really cool to see people kind of resonate with that because um, I think it goes back to the adage of like, if you, if we can just get honest, I think people want the honesty. I think people mm. ref, like people can resonate with real, you know, I, I think mm. especially in a world where like there is a lot of, um, messaging out there on all spaces like and we don't know exactly what to believe i think most of us have this like sixth sense of like what authenticity is mm. and so if we can just get real with their songwriting get real with our music and um then maybe it has a place and so for me that's been true yeah. and i'm really grateful uh that that's been true yeah 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 when one way actually uh, you actually used the word already but one way i was going to describe your music is really honest and raw. And mm. I think that really connects with people. And I think that that's what makes certain songs stand out to me, at least uh, when I hear it, mm. it's like, wow, they just like put all of their heart into this, you know, yeah. they didn't hold yeah. back. They didn't write for radio, you know? And I think that, really speaks a lot uh, about you as an artist and the fact that like you want these songs to really like resonate with people. And it's hard to do that in the worship song uh, approach because, you know, worship song is like you're trying to make it so that people can all relate to it and sing along with it. Um, but I, I do think what you're writing is an expression of worship, maybe not, not congregational worship. But mm -hmm. I love that we can, you know, really showcase different expressions of worship in the body of Christ. Um, and I love the fact that we're doing this interview during May, <laughs> which is yeah. AAPI yeah. Heritage Month, uh, yeah. which is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And obviously there's been a lot going on in the you know, past couple of years with the racial tension in our country and some of it has been, you know, Asian, Asian Americans, um, being affected by it. And I know, um, uh, just, it breaks the heart of God cause that's not, you know, God's desire that we have tension between, you know, people because of our color or at our ethnic backgrounds. So, you know, when you think about just like what, you know, are, as a nation, we've been going through it with racial tension and yeah. you being, you know, somebody that is expressing your heart through music. Uh, what are some things that have been, you know, maybe stirring in your heart that maybe you're, you've been wrestling with or having conversations about? Yeah, that's a great question. I appreciate 
space to answer it. I think one of the things that like has become so important to me is actually being really proud of the skin that God put me in. Mm. That there's dignity in my heritage, that it is a blessing. It's for me and not against me. Um, when I grew up, you know, not having anybody that looked like me on stages, you know, in leadership, uh, even in worship records, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having a, a dream and, and feeling like I was built to contribute to that space, uh, that rub was tough. You know, I was told even that like, if I didn't have a white bandmate that I would never make it. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, Jeez. and I mean, the proof is in the pudding. I think at the end of the day is when we look on, you know, to those places and we say things like, you know, these places are, um, global in their reach and, you know, welcoming all people or, and then on stage, you only see, you know, a certain ethnicities represented. Then I think that there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a, um, there's a miss there 100%. Yeah. And it, and, and it's a miss that like, for me, I had to go through years of therapy to, mm-hmm try to consider because what happened for me at least, and I'm getting really vulnerable here is I felt like God had built me to do something, but put me in a skin that wouldn't allow me to enter into those spaces. Wow. And so then I got mad at God, but that's a mm-hmm. lie. And it took therapy and healing and prayer and loving community, brothers and sisters of all different ethnicities coming around me and loving me for me to realize that like, that was a lie, you know, mm. but there are some spaces where that is true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, or I think we would see more Asian brothers and sisters in those spaces. And so yeah. for me, I think um, it's the journey of like being really proud of who I am because there was a season where I wanted so badly to be a part of a music community that I didn't see myself in that I was not proud of my heritage. Mm. that I started to loathe that part of who I was. And um, when I think about that, it's like, man, what a, how backwards is that? Particularly in the fact, mm-hmm. like when we understand the fact that we're like wonderfully and beautifully made, how backwards is that type of thinking? And really kind of think part of the work that I want to do for the rest of my life is to, how do we make this place more representative, this space of music more representative so that when kids are growing up, like your kids and my kids and, you know, Asian kids are going, like they don't even have a second thought when it comes to the fact that they can be in those spaces and that their heritage is not a hindrance at all in joining those spaces Mm -hmm. and entering in. And so it's funny because um, like my face is on all of my album art and that was like a very intentional decision. I wanted people to see an Asian face on those records. Yeah. I didn't want them to listen to it and not know that there was an, like I wanted them to know that there was an Asian American behind making this music. Um, mm. I don't feel that pressure for the rest of my life, you know, cause honestly yeah. <laughs> I'm not a model, you know, like I don't like, I'm not trying to, but even that want, you know, that pressure man, for future generation, not to not feel that at all to just not mm. feel like this pressure to put that because 
for me, like you said, like I don't to this day, particularly I think in Christian music, I don't see a lot of Asian Americans in that space. And I think that there are things, again, we're not a monolith in our experience. We have a lot of different things that we've experienced that are unique to each person, but there are shared experiences among the Asian American community. And I think that there are things that like, because we're in our skin, we actually have an empathy with Jesus that is like really beautiful and awesome. So like, for instance, like a lot of Asian Americans that I talk to, um, that grew up like second generation Korean American or Asian American, this idea of like finding home is really difficult because yeah. at home we were expected to be Korean, but we grew up in spaces where we're expected to be Americans, so, like finding where we belonged and finding home. And I used to think that that was such a detriment until I remember talking to a pastor who said like, um, well, Jesus never had a home here either on earth. Mm. He said, heaven is my home. Yeah. And so he he was also a man that was 100% God had this kingdom culture inside of him, but was expected and spoke the language of human culture. And he had to navigate, I think, that pain point as well. And so we yeah. actually have this really beautiful kinship with our Savior just because we're in our skin, because mm-hmm. we have this lived experience. And what would happen if we would allow like, Asian American songwriters to write worship music from that space. Um, from that ex- lived experience, I actually think that's a gift to the church at large, you know? And so um, I'm, I'm excited because I do feel like things are slowly changing um, to see more Asian American voices at the table, because I think our stories matter. And I think our stories can be a gift, not only to each other in our community, but also to those who come alongside of us and who we're in community with. You know, um, mm. and that's what I'm excited to see. And I hope, hope to see way more of, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. It's funny because, yeah. you know, most people have the stereotype of like Asians are really great at math and they're super smart, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm yeah. definitely not good at math. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm good at math. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, like, I mean, our parents have this expectation that we're going to get straight A's. We're going to go to the, uh, the most prestigious school possible. Yeah, um, yeah. But I see these, you know, the next generation of Asian Americans that are, you know, growing up. They so many of them love music. They're super creative. But like, you know, where's the where's the model for them? to go, oh, I don't have to go the route of doctor, lawyer. Yeah, not yeah, that those things are totally. bad, but not, you know, every Asian American maybe is supposed to do that. Maybe they're supposed to be in a more creative spa- space, mm-hmm. you know, in Hollywood or in the music industry. So, yeah, I, I really love the fact that, you know, we're starting to see more and more of that, even in just mainstream like Hollywood, too. Um so when you you know think about like your um, your journey right now as an artist, songwriter, and you know pastor, um, what's something that maybe you could share with somebody? Um, kind of like what you're talking about of maybe wrestling with that of going like, why well, I, I think I'm supposed to maybe pursue um, the arts, whatever the arts might be uh, for them. But maybe they feel this like 
imposter syndrome or they feel like they don't fit in, what would you say to that person? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think the thing that I would say is, um, get really curious about where you're finding your validation when it comes to your art. Um, Hmm. I think some people think that like being a successful artist looks like this. And really I feel like that's, those are, it can look like this, like where you're make your, you have a lot of social media numbers and you're, you have millions of streams and, you have sold out concerts and I think it can look like that. Um, but I don't think it has to look like that for you to be, Mm. um, a good steward of like the gift that God's given you. Um, yeah. Sometimes, so many times I think we're looking for affirmation that looks really similar to like worldly affirmation. Yeah. Um, but like God is really clear that like he doesn't work in that economy. He Mm. works very differently. Like, you can have all those things and actually still be really torn up and messed up inside. And what good is it to be honest? Yeah. He's so much more concerned about integrity. He's in so much more concerned about like who we are and what's coming from that space. And my encouragement is like, give yourself a chance to make the art that you love mm. and don't let people telling you that you can't, or that it has to look a certain way and get to a certain level, stop you from making that art. Yeah. Because for me, I think what I've realized is making the art is the win. Making mm-hmm. the thing and being on the journey of like making something that you're really, really proud of and offering it to the world, like that's the win. Yeah. How the world responds to it, how far it goes, I mean, that's really kind of out of most of our control. I think we can be smart about it. And I think so yeah. much of what you do, Wisdom, is help people be smart about it. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like, you know, that type of renown, like number one is, is not all that great. I've been mm-hmm. around people yeah. who are that much renowned and it's actually a really, it's a burden and it's not yeah. something that we should like go after. Like yeah. if it's thrown on you and you're supposed to hold it well, man, God bless you. We should be praying for you. Like, and for those yeah. of us who don't have that, we should be grateful <laughs> that we don't have that, that yeah. <laughs> we can live the quiet, humble life that Jesus called us to but it doesn't mean that you can't make significant art, you know? And I think how mm-hmm. we define significance is really important. Like give yourself a chance mm-hmm. to make the art and don't let uh, somebody else's journey be the barometer of what your journey is supposed to be. I think that's yeah. really important. And I think we're living in a day and age where, and, and I'm guilty of this too, where like you can grow up to become a Christian celebrity, which is wild mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> yeah. Because I never, like, I don't think God calls us to be celebrities. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, I think God, God might call you to have influence. God might mm-hmm. give you some stages to stand on. But, like, God calls us to be humble and mm-hmm. to, to be lovers of people and to be inclusive. And our art should be an extension of, like, this thing that God put inside of us. And so uh, I just wish that we would take off those, like, socially constructed like levels of success yeah. because if you make a record that you love and you poured into it and like you put it out that that is that's it 
That's, mm-hmm. that is the win. That is everything. And just trusting that it will find the one person or the 10 people or the, mm-hmm. you know, millions of people that it's supposed to reach. Like you got to just give that up. That's not, that's not yours to hold, you know? And so um, I think for Asian Americans, I think sometimes because we have such a success model built inside of us, like this is what success looks like. You know, it's, it's like respect in society, it's monetary levels, it's whatever we think that we have, if our art doesn't do that for us and we're not successful. And I would just say, I don't think that's true. Yeah, man, that's really good. I feel like, um, all of us should rewind that, listen to it again. (laughs) That was really good. Uh, and yeah, speaking of records, you, you've been releasing some singles, but you do have a project that you're getting ready to release and it's cool just to like watch your Instagram. Um, you're working hard in the studio and I mean, you're like putting in the hours, (laughs) you know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Trying to do it right, uh, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So your, uh, debut solo project is called exit us exit us which is really you know intriguing to me i'm like when mm-hmm. i think about exit like i'm thinking about like oh exiting the highway you know <laughs> so mm-hmm. i love the yeah. like uh picture that it gives me uh, do you want to share anything about that any like you know tidbits that you want to give or like any clues as to when it's coming out or anything yeah and so actually um it's it's like an ep that i'm just releasing single by single and so oh. Um, there's one more single to come. So there's three out of the four out and then it'll just kind of become the Exodus EP, but it's called, you know, there's three songs out, start again, Exodus and young love, and then one more to come. And then I was in the studio just recently, um, working with the same producers on just a new, like a new project just for fun. So, um, I started writing more and actually it's been interesting because, you know, um, the first project is really about me kind of uh, coming out of a season. Mm. And this next project is actually kind of really feels like what I'm going through right now, which is like this desert season of like Mm. just trying to figure out what it means to have just left that season of life and what it means to be in this in between. And so uh, the next project will probably be something to do with like desert. Mm. And then hopefully one day, you know, uh, when I get the chance, um, I'll write a project around uh, being in the promised land. And that's like mm-hmm. all kind of come just like as I've been writing. And so yeah. um, the desert project don't even know, like actually two two out of two songs are done out of the however many will be in that project that mm-hmm. I'm super in love with and I'm excited to share. Um, awesome. And then, so we'll see. Yeah, but yeah, so like, yeah, just be waiting to, mm-hmm. single by single, I think. I think, I mean, you would probably know why that's probably a good play yeah. maybe not a good play but uh you know I, i'm a new artist in this space and so um if i dropped a full length album i don't think a lot of people would listen to the whole thing yeah. you know and so giving people like tidbits of who i am along the way um, and then maybe hopefully one day i can do a whole whole project but who knows you know again the goal for me is just to write stuff that i love and that i believe in and to release it with people that i love and believe in and if i could do that then i think that's the win so yeah yeah i think single releases are a smart way to go uh for especially like you know artists that are still like really building the fan base building the listenership um i mean if you're like 
Taylor Swift, you know, you could drop an album, go to where for the rest <laughs> yeah. of the 2022 or whatever. But, and yeah. I'm not Taylor Swift. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, James, thanks so much for sharing um, really, you know, honestly about your journey. And like I, I've been through that desert journey and I did not want to write about it. So I love that you're writing about it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I appreciate your vulnerability yeah. and your music. Yeah. And hey, wisdom, can I just um, say thank yeah, you? I would encourage real- you. Yeah. I just wanted to say, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just want to say thank you, wisdom, for like everything that you're doing in that space. Um, as an Asian yeah. brother, like to see you in that space and to see the amount of experience you've gained and all the work that you've done. And then to like, understand like what it means to uplift other voices and to do that like it means a ton and it's an example to me of like that's really cool that you are um trying to hold integrity and trying to educate and trying to do the work that you're doing right now because you feel like it's more important now than ever and so thank you so much for being in my corner i really appreciate it yeah for sure yeah i appreciate that uh, and for those of you guys who aren't following James, you can head over to your favorite social media platform. It looks like he's on everything. So <laughs> just look up James Peck, <laughs> P-A-E-K. I love that you're on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think that's well, yeah, uh, something that artists need to be on. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, be sure to check out his music. Uh, just look up James Peck, P-A-E-K. So thanks so much, James. And maybe uh, once you have some new music out, you know, we could have another conversation. Cool. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Christian Music Industry Podcast, powered by Christian Music Marketing. To find out how we can partner with you to increase your impact and influence with integrity, please visit our website, christianmusicmarketing.com, or check us out on Instagram at christianmusicmarketing. See you next time.